Welcome to episode 154 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we finish our Bloodborne series with part two. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her. Her name is Katie Lesbronce. Hello! I'm back from my hunt and ready to talk about it. <laughs> and here to suffer with us um, is my second friend, uh, Flora Marigold. Flora, did you survive? I well, it's a complicated question because I've survived <laughs> up until a point, but I suppose we'll talk about how far I survived. I I love that so much. I have such so many things to say. Katie has so many things to say. Flora, you have so many things to say. I know Seto in the Discord has been talking about their experience playing uh, Bloodborne. So look, we're gonna spoil all of Bloodborne today. So if you have not played Bloodborne and you want to play Bloodborne, play Bloodborne. Before you listen to this, you should listen to episode 152, which was the first part of our series, which the three of us and Mo talked about our first couple of hours of Bloodborne. We've gotten so much better at it, but I'm sure we have much more to learn. Y'all, where the heck do we start with Bloodborne? Did we all finish Bloodborne is probably the best question to start with. Yeah, one at a time. Who wants to start? I'll go. I'll start. Oh, go Jacob. I finished bloodborne no way (laughs) yep Uh look at you genuine round of applause i did not expect that i okay so uh my hopes and dreams were that you would get i mean you know in the back of my mind i hope that you would finish it but what i i hoped at least that you would get maybe halfway through and not so that you could experience at least a good amount of it so you could have a feeling for what the game is and not just have your initial frustration phase and be done Mm -hmm. and nope out and then that would be your entire bloodborne experience but i'm so happy that you that you finished it and i could see the pride in your eyes my friend yeah (laughs) i i i think i broke the cardinal rule on this podcast katie but i don't think i would have finished it without breaking the rule and flora so for for context I, i don't think i told you this at a few points throughout the playthrough of Bloodborne, um, there was one time where Katie and friend of the show, Travis Colnut, were hanging out in mm-hmm. real life, and uh, they said, Jacob, had you guys had a few drinks? Uh, we, we were having a night. We were enjoying ourselves, you, yes. You, okay. You texted me at like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night, and we're yeah. like, Jacob, are you playing Bloodborne? We want to watch. Because you and can so- PS5 screen share. And I'm like, you could share, yeah. share your screen and we could just watch you play on my TV, on my PS5. So let's do it. And, and Travis was very excited. So, yeah, we talked you into that. Yeah. And I think the first night it didn't work out. But the second time I was like, y'all, are you hanging out again? Because I'm going to sh- share my screen. And so, Katie, you coached me through a lot of my questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I used a lot of guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no shame about that at all. Um, and I feel like without getting the feedback last time of, don't be afraid of looking at guides and like Katie using you. I don't think I would have finished it without that. Hmm. Well, th- but oh, I'm, I'm happy to I help. took, I took <laughs> the easy way out. I will, exp- I'm sure you know what I'm trying to say out of the endings. I took the easy way out uh, Flora, I know you, I don't think you finished, so I don't want to totally spoil it, 
But uh, I'm still proud, though. Flora, I might have just spoiled it, but did you finish? I did not finish. I am disappointed in myself, honestly. And I know you were incredibly gracious. I, I, exactly. I feel like I made it really far. It's a a time crunch matter. It's not a, for lack of of effort and and want to, it seems like. We had to record a show matter. Yeah, and I appreciate that grace, but I also mismanaged my time. Like, Bloodborne hit at probably the busiest point in my professional life in the last several months. And I simply, when I was outside of work, kind of lacking the discipline and energy and focus that a game like this takes and I simply just pushed it off and then about a week before the record date I suddenly panicked realizing how little progress I had made and uh, I I am pretty proud of myself over the last like 72 hours how much of this game I've gotten through you were Uh, nowhere close like three days ago I thought oh my god she's not very far like we're potting and then you're like i beat this i beat this i'm this far i'm this far i'm like you kept updating in our (laughs) channel and i was like crushing it well i was i i locked in and i suddenly had some time off i had no other plans for the weekend i literally just like turned my phone upside down on my desk so i wouldn't be distracted and just went for it so so for context for listeners um the point that you are all probably worried about is i had just beaten vicar amelia and uh, that I don't think is substantially far, but it is. A, I felt accomplished at that point because that's a name in the Bloodborne canon. That's like that halfway? you hear. No. Yeah, like I, I Ish, had known. No? <laughs> well, no, no. I probably like would say maybe a third, generously, maybe a fourth. Tops. Yeah, tops. Like, I, 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 nowhere close to half. But um, I knew Father Gascoigne. I knew Vicar Amelia. Like names, you hear these things as someone who like hears people rave oh, about Vicar Bloodborne. Amelia. And I no, thought that she far. exactly like I thought that she was like a late game boss because of how much like cultural impact on the fandom she has had. But it turns out that like that's nowhere. It's like almost right after Father Gascoigne if you can find your way there. Um, and then I proceeded to go through. I think it was Shadows of Yarnum, which I knew Jacob. That was uh, according to descriptions you had left in the Discord, like uh, going to be a massive roadblock. Um, we'll talk about how I approached that later. But um, long story short, I am all the way to um, a lantern. Uh, what was the place called? It starts with an M. Um, can anyone help me place the location here? Uh, Mensis. I think it, so. Or no, Murgo's like Loft. Letters. Are you at one of Murgo's yeah, yeah, Loft? Uh, yeah. In the yes. bottom or the middle? In I the base. You said I think base. the base of Lantern was where I got, and uh, for various time-related reasons, I was unable to pick up from there any further. Very close. Mm. That makes you <laughs> feel so much worse, though. I it, I like this game I enough. Mean, I'll, it doesn't I'll mean that back, you're an but, hour out. Like, it, you, you yeah. don't know. It could have been many hours. It could have been, I don't know. We don't know. But still, you're it's, in the end stage. That took me five hours after yeah. that. Mm, okay. Only because I struggled with Mikalash, the next boss you're about to fight, so bad. Mm. I struggled with Mikalash so much. Oh, the guy with the cage head. Okay. Yeah, cage head. The one who's like an old hunter reskinned, but in a maze. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Katie. You beat it again, didn't you? I beat it uh, number my my number two playthrough. Beat it again. Uh-huh. Uh, beat the all the old hunters DLC. Beat every optional boss within that playthrough, and then in New Game Plus, beat it again to get the, my <sighs> third ending, so that I have all three endings. So I did everything, except I didn't do everything, and I will get to it later. 
I have a mm. rant stored. <laughs> I, it's it's. I'm trying to keep it in, but I will get to it. But yes, I beat your rants are so good. I'm excited. I, thank you. I beat everything, and I'm and I had so much fun doing it, and I I got so much more enjoyment out of playing it again than I thought I would because I realized that the first time playing through that so much of my energy was focused on just completing the game on just mm-hmm. and just surviving because I had never played any of these games before so I'm just trying to get through like and that took most of my energy like I took on some of the story I, I liked hearing about the story but I still did not get everything out of it that I could have and I got so much more out of it and I like oh I appreciate this game so much more than I did before. I'm really curious because you mentioned replaying the game. How many do you, are you able to see like total hours that you sunk into this or could you estimate how many it took you on this uh revisit? Um I could I could pull it up on my PlayStation. I don't think I can pull it up on my app at this moment. My first playthrough probably took me a good longer than, you know, a long time for playing pretty bare bones, probably like mm-hmm. 35 or so hours. Okay. This one um actually you know what i know i'm up to about a hundred or so because but i also played all the dlc and i explored every optional area i think uh i think i'm conflating two different things but i i my last playthrough of just like getting through the game to get start to finish probably only like i don't know eight ten hours maybe tops okay wow Okay, that's much shorter than I would have expected, but I guess with the skill and the navigational knowledge, and I imagine the difficulty is adjusted on a New Game Plus, uh, I, all those factors considered, I guess that shouldn't be so surprising. I think it took me about 25 hours to get to where I'm at if I had to just kind of spitball it, but oddly enough, my PS5 tells me that I've played this for a total of 12 hours, which is nowhere near close <laughs> to correct. It is mislogged something somewhere. Yeah, where I, I actually just opened my PS5 in real time to say how many, and I was I was surprised by the number because it's actually lower than it felt. Hmm. I felt like I played for 25 to 30 hours, but my PlayStation 5 only says I played 21. Wow. I want to go back to this, uh, me and a friend of the show, Travis Colnut, watching Jacob play Bloodborne because <laughs> up to that point, all I had gotten from him was oh my god, I hate this game. Oh my god, I hate yeah. everything. Oh my god, I want to throw my controller through my TV screen. Oh my god, I hate this. And I would <laughs> I would message him and be like, what is happening? What is going on? What are you doing? <laughs> like, what? I don't understand. What? Yep. Explain it to me. And then I would be like, have you leveled up your character? And he'd say, I'm not nope. the best texter, to be honest. No, you're not. But that's okay. <laughs> um, and I'd be like, what do you mean you haven't leveled up your character? Like, what do you mean you... Okay. So I'd try and direct you that way. But actually watching Jacob play Bloodborne... I'm so you jealous. Bat, you bad at Bloodborne, man. You you really? bad. I thought you were going to say you were pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I wasn't. I, yeah. Uh, okay. Not that you're bad. When you're I focused. I think I'm good at Bloodborne. Like, you, go, good for me. I'm an average player. Yes. But, okay, you know what? That's not fair. It's not that you're bad at Bloodborne. It's that I already knew that, in general, you were a f- impatient person. Yeah. Impatient. Super impatient. And it did not help your Bloodborne playing whatsoever. I witnessed Jacob running through 
uh, the first area of the Forbidden Woods and, and just running past everyone and watching 20 enemies <laughs> chasing him down. And then he would run into, he doesn't know where he's going and stop running and then go, oh no, when they all beat him to death because they caught up. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you didn't kill anything and they're all chasing you. I, 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 so I was just like, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? And then, I, so me and Trey, I was like, oh, and sometimes we were talking to you a little bit. I was like, no, turn right, turn right, like go around that thing. And you're like, ah, ah. And then next thing you know, you didn't go that way. And I'm like, oh God. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? You're right. You're not bad at Bloodborne. You're just more impatient than I already knew. And mm. whereas I am a patient video game player, I think like I enjoy long games and you don't enjoy long games so i feel like you're no. trying to rush through it and you're like no i mm. want to get to the end whereas i like to soak it in a little bit more mm-hmm. so i feel like there's the personality difference is a big component in this in um in in the playing of, of from soft games i very much wonder if i have adhd because i i'm the kind of person if a load time is too long i'm gonna look at my phone uh i'm the kind of person i'm pretty sure we all do rush that through. but that will rush to a Bloodborne level if... I mean, Bloodborne's the only game where I will literally just run past enemies. <laughs> like, in Kirby and Forgo- the Forgotten Land, I'm not going to run through the enemies. But I ended up finding Harry94 on uh, YouTube, and he or they had these really great uh, location videos where they would be like, oh, to get to the one reborn, let me show you the literal path you need to take. Because as we know, Bloodborne's obtuse. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you think that the path that is clearly laid out for you is a path to a boss, but that is not necessarily the case. So these videos were always great. And I would would learn how to get to a boss. And once I knew how, I'd be like, oh, like if I had to face off against, I don't know, what boss did I really have trouble with? Um, like the um, the Witch of Hemwick, mm. for example, I knew exactly how to like run through the world to get to them. Mm. Which works um, in some circumstances, but other times <laughs> doesn't work. No. Several thoughts on this. Um, I First and most pressingly, I'm astonished to realize I didn't try to look this up. What's the path to the one reborn? Because the pathway you have to take to that boss sucks. Like, you have yeah, to, like, dodge and weave your way back and forth, like, zigzag as you sprint past these box of corpses. And they, like, spit their, like, projectile blood thing at you. Um, there, I know there's, like, a bridge that you can, like, climb up to or something. But I never actually looked at that or explored it. Because at some point, my priority shifted to completing bosses that are, like, required rather than exploring mm-hmm. things. And um, is there, like, some alternative or counterintuitive way to get to that boss? Um, okay. The only reason I, I ask so, like... Pressingly is because Seto um, told me that um, there's a bath that you can find to if you roll off the elevator midway down to to the area where you find this boss. And if you um, lay down in this like bathtub or whatever, you then teleport like much, much, much closer. And none of the enemies, the box of corpses aggro. I what? never would have found this, but I was wondering if that was your location. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad that no. both of you have wide-eyed <laughs> astonishment because this was news to me. My biggest hurdle in all Dark Souls games is the boss run. Like the, mm-hmm. the distance between where you respawn and where you have to like start the fight over. I think that's like my least favorite part of, of Souls games, generally speaking, uh, because the thing I'm bad at is not clearing the normal enemies. The thing I'm bad at is fighting the new big thing but um anyway if there's no hidden path then i don't feel as um as exasperated the other no, thing- I, those those boxing one shot would sometimes one shot so i just yeah found a way to bob and weave through their like spitting poison uh-huh. yeah. and their one shot 
slashes. You run like you're supposed to run away from an alligator, you know, side to side. (laughs) Yes. Crisscross. I I don't know how much that works as the resident uh, alligator state person. But uh, (laughs) in any case, run away. Uh, The... The other thing I was thinking about is you were talking about patience in these games, and and I really think that I, I am a deeply impatient person. I don't know that I've ever like pontificated about this, but um, when it comes to video games, I totally understand the urge when you've gone through an area and figured out how to meander through the enemies and such. In these games, you can either sprint or roll through these areas without consequence most of the time, uh, unless you linger in an area in like the wrong spot, because at some point, enemies stop aggroing and chasing you pretty much universally. Um, but like, I wonder, so, so the question that I kind of want to like yield out of this is in Bloodborne slash Souls game more generally, it is advantageous to be patient for the sake of gaining experience and just like collecting the blood echo currency in this game and then spending those, those points on upgrading your character or repairing your weapon or purchasing items and stuff like that. And I wonder if, if that's something you simply don't care about. And if you were just like cocky and just like, I don't need more stamina. I'm just going to run up to the boss. Who cares? Or, or if this was uh, more of like a motivation to simply finish the game for the sake of the podcast. So I, I think I'm, I might've had, I don't want to say I had a lot of hubris going in. I didn't, I had like mid game hubris <laughs> where I got, I, I was pretty awful for the first couple hours and then I think I finally cracked the code mm-hmm. on how to... Pl- I think I developed a little bit of patience. Because, Katie, you, you, looking at my, my style of play, I think you can see that in individual fights I was That's having, I was not you I could was have, patient. You could have killed everything in the area, but you didn't want to, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, mm-hmm. if you just took your time and like went over to the side and killed that enemy, then killed that enemy, you could have easily cleared the room. And then just mm-hmm. kept moving on and exploring and clearing. Mm-hmm. But you're just like, no, I'm going to run forward. And then you would die. And then you'd be so frustrated that you would die. But, oh. I'm like, but that's because you have 12 people chasing you. And you yeah. could have yeah. killed them. That, that, that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's why I redact my statement. You're not bad at <laughs> Bloodborne. You're just impatient. Fair. I'm an average player who just happens also to be very impatient. Yes. Um, I didn't realize the importance of leveling up also until like I hit maybe the five or six hour mark. And I finished at no joke level sixty nine, um, hey. which I nice. which I thank you, which I nice thanks thanks thanks, <laughs> which I think is like probably pretty average for a playthrough. I think I'm at like um, sixty five right now. So. Oh yeah, so you're gonna probably end higher than me, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that I could have made it through the game. Yeah, fair. I don't think I could have beaten the game under level fifty or mm. like even sixty. No. I don't know if I fully answered your question, though, Flora. Oh, so, like, specifically, I'm wondering if, if the motivation to finish the game was what was driving this impatience, or if you simply, like, once you've explored an area, you're kind of done with, like, having to rehash the the recycled respawn of all of these NPCs that don't really ultimately matter. I think I've since I've never played a, a Soulsborne game before, um, and I'm not going to spoil my full thoughts, but, like, I'm not sure this one compelled me to play the genre more. Um, I just, well, you just want, spoiled your I, thoughts. Yeah, I just spoiled <laughs> my thoughts. Um, I played 21 hours of this game. I finished it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Hmm. Um, I just had gotten to the point maybe... Because I was doing optional bosses up until the Blood Moon happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I that, were you doing moon. them intentionally, though? Or were you just going, oh, crap, that one was optional? Well, I would come to it. And then if I if I ever came to it, I would I would beat it, but okay. if I I wouldn't seek out the optional bosses. Okay. So I think I ended up beating um, either three 
uh, I think I beat three optional bosses, but I didn't seek out any of the other ones. Um, so to your point, I think I was motivated in order finishing a Bloodborne game or finishing a Soulsborne game for the first time mm-hmm. so I could point at Mike Ruffalo and said, I did it. And I actually <laughs> told him today, I said, Mike, I beat it. He Shout was out like, to Mike Ruffalo. No way. Shout out to Mike Ruffalo. Um, that was my first motivation. My second was for the podcast. And third was just to be done with it. Hmm. I guess. I think I did two optional bosses, uh, at least... Once I recognized that I wanted to make progress in the game, I started like looking up what the next mandatory boss was and just kind of aiming for that. Um, but I did the uh, the cleric beast and um, oh god, I'm not forgetting it. The but there is at least one optional you did the, boss. That... You did the blood starved beast, did you not? Oh yeah, the that's blood starved in well. old. Yeah. Uh, okay, old so maybe I did. Th- I'm, I feel like I'm, I did three for some reason. Um, Dark Beast Parl, I encountered, and then I just bailed. It felt way too intimidating, and I didn't make a scratch, and it was one-shotting me. Uh, this was early in the playthrough, though. I got, like, nabbed by some random person and dragged to... I, is it the... I don't even know how to say it. Hype of something jail? Is this not when it... I, okay, those things where to that point in the game everything is so straightforward and mm-hmm. you know where you are and you're like mm-hmm. i mean it's fine from the beginning where it kind of warps you a couple places but after that you're just moving forward you're moving from place to place to place and mm-hmm. then when an enemy he nabs you but you i kind of thought my my first playthrough that he had just killed me mm-hmm. and then you awake in this prison mm-hmm. and you have to get out of it and that is one of the parts where i was like oh bloodborne Oh, look at you, Bloodborne! You're th- you throwing in these um, these wrenches that you don't expect, mm-hmm. and now you're like, "Where am I?" And you're disorientated again, and you have to figure things out again. I love that so much. Weirdly enough, I, I think I was kind of anticipating a gimmick like this because of Elden Ring. Um, not to spoil mm-hmm. anything, but there's a certain kind of enemy that will like open its stomach and swallow you inside in Elden Ring. And it will do the same thing where it just wipes your health bar out and you think you've died. And then the loading screen begins and all of a sudden you're somewhere else. Uh, and if you're not anticipating that, it's really disorienting. But I, it's, it's funny that you reacted, Katie, positively to this. I was so <laughs> intensely frustrated because all of a sudden the progress I thought I was making was null and void. I had to read trace my steps and then when retracing them I led myself out to this seemingly impossible boss and I was so discouraged when I like left out and explored the area I couldn't find the lantern but it, it's really close to you it just mm-hmm. isn't in the intuitive direction uh, but I and then returning to that area later in the game made me feel so unsettled in a way that usually yes. environmental exploration in these games doesn't do and it's mostly just because the enemy variety changes but then like some physical environment details are different as well and uh, obviously leading to the the one reborn boss but just very unpleasant i think is the word Mm -hmm. i would put on that whole area in my mind i don't have any like clever game associations and more just get me out of here that is fair i didn't i didn't encounter this whole section you're talking about so the there's this one enemy i think one of the like i I forget if it's one of the yaragul i don't remember it's it's in like the area um leading to the blood starved beast like kind of in that like same old yarn area yes yes um there's an enemy that has a big sack on his back Mm -hmm. and if he there's this one attack move where if he grabs you then Mm -hmm. you uh, arrive in this jail prison and i really you know what i agree with you flora in that I do remember on my first playthrough that that place, once I got out of there, 
it was like this place that I didn't want to go back to yeah. that I had this unset that it's an unsettling that I was like oh mm-hmm. no I'm not supposed to be there that's mm-hmm. a bad place I don't yes. want to go there and then I don't think on my first playthrough I did very much except for when you have to at one point you kind of go through that area not quite not quite into like the base prison area but like above it yeah. you do mm-hmm. um aside from that I don't think I did and now this time I was like Pfft this is nothing. I'm going to rip through this prison. <laughs> this doesn't, yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah, I, I had my, my own hubris, my own bloodborne hubris. But, but yes, I understand what you mean. There, it does immediately make that, that association with you. Mm-hmm. That's cool. There's a video on YouTube. Sorry, I was literally Googling bloodborne jail and there's a video titled bloodborne, where to go if you get kidnapped in a sack. It's yeah. not obvious what to do. And there's a couple of different paths you can take that like either lead to a dead end or like I said, to a boss. And then when you actually get out into the environment, like the actual city block, it's it's closed doors in every direction. Um, what, what you have to do is you have to like run upstairs inside this like cathedral place and activate the lantern and get the hell out of there. Um, but another degree of unsettling is that this game, when you do return to the area, it, it pushes you through the space in a different way, like a different direction that doesn't feel as familiar. And there's like a new shortcut you can use to get there. Um, but the actual like lantern is cut and you can't use it anymore. Um, you can't transport yourself back to this place at a certain story point um, mm. where like, if you try to warp there through the hunter's dream, you are unable to do it. You get like an error, um, but then you get there and the lamp is no, or the lantern is no longer glowing. It's just dark. And um, I, I don't really know what the implications of this are. Like that has to be a story thing, but um, maybe we should shift over in this direction soon. But like, I have no idea what the story is in Bloodborne. Same. I couldn't same. tell you if you put it on uh, on a like standardized test, five paragraph essay. I would say Bloodborne's <laughs> about like violence and about like dying a lot and uh, and slowly getting better at, at things. Like like that's my thesis. I have no clue what the story is. I think I could write two lines about Bloodborne in that <clears throat> there's a blood. People thought they could get powers from blood, but then there was a disease in the blood, and that caused evil. That would be my That's more than I got. <laughs> yeah. That is the base. Katie, am I accurate? That I mean, you know what? If you were to do a two sentence sum up, you're not wrong. Hey. That's that's right. It's Bam. my favorite story from FromSoft Games mm-hmm. because mm. it is so grounded in the world and how people how institutions arise and like the mistakes that they make and then when institutions double down on their mistakes and then it just gets worse and worse and they won't admit that they're wrong and instead it just they create more branches of that institution and then it becomes the culture of that place it's so interesting that sounds awesome it's so cool so there's okay so under yarnum sounds like the monarchy Oh, ah! <laughs> except except uh more ill-intentioned but well maybe i don't know i don't more know <laughs> i'm not going to comment on more this we're going to move on um okay quick quick version there is a labyrinth dungeon thingy underneath yarnum that one day people who were uh looking around down there found these uh the the oh my god oh my god my brain's not working the great ones i'm right Okay. I was right. The great ones. It's the great ones. Okay. They found these great ones and they're like, oh my God, there's these gods down here. And then uh, the, I have gaps because it's there's so much story that I can't remember it all because I'm not these YouTube geniuses. Um, and basically they discovered that if they used the this old, this old blood 
from these old ones that they could uh, cure diseases and do all these great things. Um, but there was basically two schools of thought. So there was the Bergenworth, the college, or I believe they call it a college or university or something, a school, essentially, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, no, to understand these things and to um, elevate humanity and to reach the next level of, of humanity, we have to understand things. We need to gain knowledge. We need to gain eyes and insight into these things and then we'll become like elevated humans and then there was a student of the uh the leader guy names escape me but anyway so there's the leader of bergenworth there's his students lawrence who's like no no but this blood is so powerful so he starts using it and discovers it can cure diseases so that everyone thinks that's great amazing we're going to cure all these diseases and people come from all over the world to have their diseases cured by this amazing blood but guess what it turns them into beasts oh no but (laughs) but the church so it is the healing church that is built around the old blood they are they don't want to let go of this essentially they have established this like basically power of being this institution that uh, leads this whole city they start just branching off into these different sections of the church including the hunters who basically are just hunting down townsfolk who have turned into beasts to take them out so that people don't know that it's turning them into beasts Mm. crazy so that's essentially what the hunters are and then there's different sections. There's the, um, I forget if it's the choir or something. There's the one area that's trying to commune with the with the old ones. There's so much stuff. And then all of the enemies that you're encountering, depending on what they're wearing, will tell you which group that they associated with when they were still themselves. So if you kill someone wearing an old scholar uniform within the Nightmare of Mensis, you know that they were a student of Mensis. And that that got just destroyed by what was happening to them. It's so good. And the storytelling has so many layers that you can just keep going down, which is why I think replays are so valuable for FromSoft games. It's because it doesn't get handed to you the first time. You get enough that that it's interesting. They really encourage curiosity so much. I I just love it so much. I could go on about there's more lore. There's so much more lore. But that's like the basic. There's like five more sections of the church. And and, there's so much. That fascinating recount of the story is so fundamentally different than the experience I had playing (laughs) this game. Uh, I know that there's that degree of depth and complexity to lore in all Souls games. But... Mm -hmm in particular Bloodborne, uh, because I hear people rave about it and I see the seven-hour video essays on YouTube get recommended to me, and I've always resisted it because Souls games have always had kind of a mixed relationship with me. I think that that sounds like one of the coolest video gaming stories you could name. Like, what you're describing is exactly the sort of political intrigue and, like, cultural critique and examination of human frailty through their psychology and the choices that they make, like, through cognitive dissonance and insecurity of power and things like that. All of that is just 11 out of 10, totally my thing. They burned down old Yarnum because they messed it up so badly because it was so overrun with beasts that it was over. And so they said, we'll just burn it down and we'll barricade it and pretend it never happened. But we're going to keep using the old blood because why not? 
Uh, but um, I understand where you're coming from because Dark Souls, I am less interested in the lore because it feels less grounded to me because it's more gods and monsters and mm-hmm. it uh, it feels more fantasy based which i like mm-hmm. i like fantasy stories but it doesn't have that same grounded feeling where i want to know all these characters and their motivations because they're relatable motivations to me personally in bloodborne yeah i i, I uh, well side note here cut this if you want but like i imagine that your profession katie probably has something to do with your degree of appreciation of all of those specifics um do do you know what i'm suggesting by by saying that that's possible yeah i can can understand that yeah if a medical decision is brought down from on high and the powers that be have to enforce said medical decision despite knowing (laughs) on the front lines that those might be improper procedures or etiquette or whatever that is probably an experience that you have more access to than either myself or jacob even just historically, how back yeah, sure. through the centuries, how medicine has evolved and the mistakes that were made in the past and unethical decisions, there is a whole section in a part of the, a part of the main game and a part of the DLC, which um, basically delves into like unethical experimentation on people and citizens and trying to like drive forward science and trying to attain this ideal and the people that get um kind of disregarded in that and get used and it's and how that relates to like i said like the history of the world that happened over and over and over again over centuries um so yeah it's just so grounded in the real world that i find it so fascinating but also has this layer of of fantasy over top that Mm -hmm. makes it um, just more fun to dig into and they yeah. can do anything with that right mm-hmm. are a lot is does a lot of this lore come out in like objects and notes in the world because I am not like I think of the Batman games for example since I'm a, such a huge fan of the world I want I go out of my way to like listen to tapes and get the Riddler trophies because I, I love the world mm-hmm. where here I don't think I Again, I just wanted to finish this game to say I did it so I could laugh in Mike's face. <laughs> shout out to I, Mike Look, Ruffalo. I enjoy it. Shout out to Mike Ruffalo. <laughs> I enjoyed it to a certain degree. But, like, I don't think I really went out of my way, especially in, the like, the back half of the game. So I'm probably missing some NPCs. I know I missed some items that were hanging out in the world. There are limited cutscenes. But where is all the lore? Where is it? Where's it hiding? A Definitely. lot. So definitely item descriptions. You're right about that. Like, I also don't pay attention to in-game documents ever. Like, like Control, for example, Ribbity's Control. Like, everyone who loves that game says that if you read all the documents, it suddenly makes sense and it's great. I don't give a crap. I'm there for the action. And so, like, if the story doesn't want to show it to me and put it in my face, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. Uh, when it comes to Bloodborne or other Souls games, I don't read anything, which is probably an issue. Um, I also um, was astonished every time I spoke with people like Seto and Artist, Discord is there are side quests in this game yes full stop that i'm saying that like it's a realization um <laughs> you're supposed to like knock on windows and and talk to people through doors and stuff like that and i did that like twice in the entirety of my playthrough Same. um Same. i i got nothing out of e- any of those exchanges it was all cryptic just fluff to add flavor text to the world but 
apparently, kind of like what Katie was saying, a lot of these little sub-stories and descriptions enforce the thing that I and you, Jacob, completely missed. Uh, and I think that's going to be the fun value of going back over this game, like over time, like Katie was saying, a replay. I think that's exactly the value of it, is like playing the optional bosses, doing the side quests, like the things that you know that exist in the game now. Like there are, um, there's a chapel you can go to in the game where you can send people back to this chapel. And I learned much to my horror that you can send the wrong people back to this chapel and they will slaughter everybody like that's something preventable i just didn't know that that would be a consequence um anyway um that honestly the whole chapel thing and the people that you meet at the beginning of the game aside from the two uh girls who are the daughters of father Gascoigne, other than that those aren't my favorite uh, side quest components like the knocking mm-hmm. on the the windows and talking to the the townsfolk who most of whom are like go away yeah go away <laughs> hunter I, I leave this place other than them i always took more enjoyment out of just the side character like the people that you can actually see like mm-hmm. um eileen the crow who is the most <laughs> can i say badass sure yeah that's pg that's pg Eileen the yeah. Crow is the most badass hunter you could find in the entire game. She's amazing. Um, That's the then, one that killed me in the cathedral, right? I don't Maybe know. I'm did, wrong. You, did you try There's and There's a crow her? hunter in, in Vicar Amelia. Um, she just came straight up aggroed me when I entered the space. Oh, yeah. It depends on what you did. Actually, if it's late game, did you go back later in the game? I did. After beating Vicar Amelia, like, this hunter was just hanging out by themselves and uh, was absolutely way stronger than i was so uh, i fought it like five times and then gave I up i forget if that's on. eileen you can find her at multiple different places and sometimes okay. she's n- not aggro and sometimes she is it depends on what point in the game you are and what's happened in the world it's a whole thing um there's albert i believe his name is albert who had um a mentor who went to who wants to kill the vile bloods who are basically vampires who are using who are trying to use the old blood to become immortal and his mentor was fighting the Vilebloods, and he died, and now he wants to avenge him. So he's talking about the Vilebloods who live at Canehurst Castle, and you don't even know where that is. And if you find an item called the Summons to Canehurst, and if you read that description, it tells you, oh, if your carriage awaits to take you to Canehurst Castle, it is in Charnel Lane at the, the center. And if you go to that place with the Summons, a cutscene happens and this this carriage arrives and then you can choose to go into it or not and then it takes you to this optional area which is Canehurst Castle which is huge and it has the queen of the vile bloods who's still there and it has an awesome awesome boss and then that completes Albert's story in a way where you have to do something and That's bring Martyr it back. That's Martyr Ligaris is in that area? Yes, Martyr Ligaris is intense. I noped out on him my first playthrough. I found myself at Canehurst. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I got killed like five times in a row. And I didn't complete that whole section. And then this time, no, no, no. I killed him real quick. But yeah, it's just like layers on layers on layers where you can choose how much you want to take part in. Like Mm -hmm. you two didn't or have not yet so far. And got what you have gotten out of the game and you don't have to even deal with that stuff mm-hmm. but it's there if you want to and it's it's so impressive to me so hold on it's a multiplayer element it's another multiplayer element oh. where you can 
write names and ranks of hunters inside of your register for later? Basically, you can either join if and you don't even have to do the PvP. I almost always play these games offline because I just don't even want to deal with it. Um, mm. And I'm not really a PvP person. But if you join the Covenant of the Vile Bloods, then there are the Vile Bloods, and then there's the hunters who are trying to kill the Vile Bloods. And then, depending on if you kill enough Vile Bloods, you get these items, and then how many of those items you have establishes your rank within the Vile Bloods, and how many hunters you've killed, and it's a whole thing. I also... I, I, I want to kind of like touch on this because the covenant thing, I actually didn't even like that might be a reason why that random hunter in the cathedral attacked me. Like it might've just been like an allegiance based thing. Um, I don't know if that's exactly how this works, but in uh, dark souls one, I'm pretty sure that that system kind of exists where like uh, I joined like the spider lady or whatever. And then I was kind of like worried about uh, joining other ones for that reason. The other thing that you just sparked in my head is the fact that I didn't use multiplayer whatsoever in this game. I think one of the beautiful things in this game is seeing players messages like they're usually kind of playful trolls more than anything else where they say like beware of whatever and it's like nothing or sometimes there's like uh something isn't like when you turn the corner like hey watch out a barrel's gonna come running down or just Mm -hmm. little like nice little interactions that make the world feel less isolating and hostile Mm -hmm. because i think all of these games are kind of miserable to spend time in as far as just atmosphere goes um and and i don't mean that as like a these games are bad statement i mean as just like a i feel depressed when i play these games statement um but the thing that I, i mentioned about summons is i didn't summon anybody the entire playthrough and i thought that that was probably uh I'm in the minority of players, I I would guess. Um, I know that the servers are not necessarily as active as they ought to be compared to when this game released, but um, my insight is in the 30s, and I haven't redeemed any madman knowledge or anything like that. Uh, So I'm curious, because I think Jacob said that you summoned a ton of people. I... With one exception, um, with the, um, there's like NPC summons you can find mm-hmm. ahead of a boss, the spider boss, whose name I think Ro, Rom, um, Rom, Rom. There we go. I don't know why my brain went Ro. The that little NPC, um, I, I brought into the fight with me, and that was very helpful. But that was the only time I summoned anything whatsoever, and never summoned a real player. So I had I played online the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my insight, consuming all Madman's knowledge ended in the 20s uh i pulled in other players to help me with three bosses uh shadow of yarnum hmm. blood beast and vicar amelia hmm. i feel like as i got further in the game it was more difficult to find players hmm. to match with that makes sense i i think for rom i ended up finding someone once but we didn't end up beating the boss. So oh. they got killed uh i pulled R. an R. old P. hunter in and then we we just died um I did have, and it was probably, and Katie, I think you were watching me when this happened, when a, a player invaded my game, because there are other hostile players mm-hmm. that you can ring the Sinister Bell in your game, which is an item that you can get from one of the shops, like, in the Hunter's Dream. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, and everyone probably knows this, this game is seven years old, you can invade other people's games. So I had someone, when I rang my bell, that invaded my game, who was hostile <laughs> towards me, and it was the, probably the scariest moment in this game, because I just, I was running, oh my, oh my god, this is a, because st- they don't start right on top of you. Mm. They start somewhere in the same general vicinity. So my thought was like, oh, I need to run to the boss. Because if I get to the boss, then I'll be fine. But um, 
I, I watched them. There was one point I had to climb a ladder, and I don't remember what boss this was, but I climbed a ladder, and I, I saw, like, on the ground, this player realized that I was climbing the ladder, and I escaped, but it was very scary. Oh, my God. The pure yeah. level of panic in his voice <laughs> was amazing. All of a sudden, Oh, my goes, God, there's a player no. in my game. No, no, oh, no. my God, there's a, there's, a, there's a hostile player in my game. Times I 20. I did that with Elden yeah. Ring. Oh, yeah. every so time that happens, a lot of blood, pure panic. I had blood echoes, and I'm like, I don't want you to take my blood echoes away because I had thirty, probably thirty or forty thousand blood echoes, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, this player is gonna murder me, and st- and I don't know how it works, Katie. Maybe you do. Can they steal your blood echoes, or is it more just like an annoyance where they're gonna kill you, and your blood echoes are gonna be left on the, on the ground? I think I, I like I said, I don't. I've never really messed with the PvP because I just don't want to. I, I don't want that in my game, so I take it out. Um, but I think, I don't think that they would take them. I think they're just messing with you. I think it's people who yeah. just enjoy hopping into people's games and killing them. And, you know, doing a gesture over top of their dead body. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right now that I just did a quick goog. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I could have made it through without those, yeah, mm-hmm. early game help. Instead of summons, I, I want to talk, since you mentioned the same boss here, about Shadow of Yarnum. I, I, I want to confess to something, but also like share it in an exciting way. Um, this boss, I, as you mentioned, it, I thought to myself, that would be a perfect boss to summon somebody, to simply distract this group of, like, for lack of a better term, three ring wraiths who have different weapons. Yeah. And they're all just kind of... I, I think the object of that boss is to separately fight them, if I had to guess. But I... Having seen you whinge a little bit, Jacob, about how much trouble you had, I went ahead and typed in Shadow of Yarnum ahead of the fight. And so I was kind of nervous before I went through like the fog door area. And I went ahead and looked up and the one of the top results on Google was uh, Shadow of Yarnum Cheese. And so I, I looked it up and there was like a two minute video, which is just short enough to be tempting. And so I found a way that you can clip through the environment, break your way into the boss arena and kill them and they won't fight back. Um, so what? Yeah. So it's a pain in the butt to be <laughs> clear. If you're going to do this, be ready to be patient, which I usually am not. But I fought this boss like three or four times and it, it totally wrecked me. I didn't make any substantial progress on it. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is the wall that I'm going to hit with Bloodborne. And I'm going to be, I'm going to bring my like dog down or sorry, dog head down, just like trailing through tail between the legs when I come into the podcast recording. So <clears throat> Shadow of Yarnum Cheese, you find on your way down, there's these giant boars and there's some sort of like bonfire areas leading in the path towards the door. If you find a specific rock, you can climb up onto this rock and then you have to jump over, like which involves sprinting and then timing the button press, jump up onto the invisible environment, do it again in a different direction, roll through an invisible wall. You have to find a ledge at a tree root that if you make the slightest mistake, you will fall through the map to your death. And it takes like three minutes to respawn entirely. Um, and it's just like this endless cycle of hell. But if you get it right, you then jump up on inside of the tree on top of another invisible wall, roll down into the boss arena and their health bars do not spawn. And you can just, slaughter them that they won't sounds, react wow. that sounds no. 10 times harder than the boss that <laughs> so sounds it was, so hard <laughs> it was and i actually ended up giving up because i was frustrated and i was like i'm just gonna tough this thing out i'm just gonna fight this thing normally i found somehow else or no it was seto in the discord uh sorry for so many shout outs here but hopefully this will be useful to hear the the correspondence in the discord but 
I was told that there's another cheese and I didn't know there was another cheese. So I looked up the other cheese and it's, it involves a gate clip where you open, you find a specific headstone, you find a rock, you set your character up, you turn it 90 degrees to the left and you open like, I guess, perpendicular to the gate. The, the gate is on your right hand side. Your character is facing the wall of rocks. You move just to a position where it gives you the X prompt to enter the boss arena. And then you will open it, move your character sideways, and it does the same thing. No health bars, no fighting back. And it took me about six or seven tries at this gate, but it was much easier and less frustrating. So I went there, entered, got killed a few times, and then slaughtered the boss with no fight back. So I cheated. <sighs> And, you know and it wouldn't be a FromSoft game if I didn't cheat, but uh, <laughs> but I couldn't mod the game for difficulty or damage purposes. So this was my path through the game. It took time and determination, so I kind of admire it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I use a couple NPC summons for a couple of them. Like ROM, I use the NPC summon mm-hmm. both times, all three of my playthroughs I have, because I'm... I just, I feel like it sometimes. I like someone to just distract for a little bit. Yeah, the um, distracts make things easy. Yeah, why not? Um, most of the time I don't, but now and then. And I did try ROM once. I was like, I'll try them once by myself. And then I was like, mm-hmm. nah, I, I don't feel like doing this a whole number of times. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I did the NPC summon and the, for that one. And also the um, uh, the one that you were talking about earlier, the one with a bunch of dead bodies attached Oh, um, the uh, one reborn. Yes, yes, that one. Also, that one. Yeah, the the corpse, the corpse human. Yeah, like it's the, birth the of a monster. moon shadow, which is like one epic origin story. Um, can we talk about Rom for a second? Because yes. I, yeah. I don't know oh, that no. we've ever talked about this, but oh. I am deathly arachnophobic. Like, if a spider no. crawled across my computer screen right now, I would have to call for help for someone else to kill it for me. Um, like, I, I am just terrified of spiders always have been it's a debilitating irrational fear like a true phobia but not one that i've like sought psychological help for it's just i i'm always lucky enough when i encounter a spider someone else is nearby and they can do the thing um so uh, so in in bloodborne there's rom uh and you find on the ocean of all places this boss which is kind of a weird arena but i was directly reminded uh of the later game elden ring where there's um i think it's renala is the fight uh which was just like one of the most memorable fights out of elden ring and so i'm already bought into the atmosphere and i see kind of in the distance this big lump like a potato and i'm like okay what is this thing and as i approach it all of a sudden realistic spiders (laughs) giant ones probably like three feet tall yeah like a whole horde of them appear and you have to not only do damage on this this boss but then fend off these little like side minions as well and i struggle to articulate how badly i reacted to this it wasn't a controller drop turn off the console moment but it was just like out loud by myself only person in my house nope 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 (laughs) that sort of energy and i had to take a break as soon as that fight was over no it was it was a pure put the controller down turn the game off for a few hours regroup and steal yourself mentally thing um in many games i expect especially in horror that there will be spiders and i'm not like i there's something reassuring about it being digital and i have that that acknowledgement in the screen that like it's not going to crawl through and and really come at me but it still affected me a lot and um i imagine that's not the case for most people like i have a really good friend who they are deathly afraid of snakes in the same way that i'm afraid of spiders and to me fear of snakes not a problem i love snakes handling them is fun 
if they weren't kind of annoying to take care for, I would have a snake. But spiders are my horcrux, for lack of a better term. And I, I just really, really struggle with that. I thought that was going to be the wall. I really did. I thought after putting the controller down, turning off the console, I cannot finish Bloodborne. I am too scared. This is too much. And then for whatever reason, went back through, summoned the person, first tried him after that, and it was fine. So um, I, I'm glad I got through that, but it was probably the most uncomfortable a game has made me feel in a long time. The thing that I had forgotten about Rom, and I was just like, Flora, Rom, just like, imagine they're a potato or a big rock. <laughs> totally is potato-like. They're very potato-like, but it's it's the minion spiders mm-hmm. that I, when, when I was, because last time we played Doki Doki, I had a similar note moment with the... Um, with the thing that happens in that game. Big twist. And you were you were very supportive of me in that situation. And I feel like I wasn't as supportive to you. Oh, what? I was no. just I was just like, Rom's a potato. You're fine. Or no, I actually that thought was you were talking reaction. about the spider later. I thought there was a spider later yeah. in the game that you were talking about. Oh. There's like this There's giant spider in a... Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. There's, well, there's, there's some that from the ceiling that I found. Yes. Yeah. But exactly. You, but those also suck. That's what I th- Yes. Yeah, but I thought that's what you're talking about. So I'm like, oh, just like, don't look, run away, like to the yeah. outside. And I, and I thought that's what you're talking about. But I no. forgot that Rom, not a huge potato, <laughs> has so many small spiders around them. And the contrast with the water, you literally can't avoid them. Yeah, well, like, I have been freaked out by video game spiders as far back as like Ocarina of Time. There's like, I think they're mm-hmm. called like Sculptulas oh, or something. Yeah. You have to like, like hook shot them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those goofy cartoon Those ones, they, they're not even really like aggressive. They're just in your way, like little obstacles. Those freak me out. And so to see mm-hmm. something that is like much closer to photorealistic and I, I just, that, it was too much. Uh, I did not need that, but I see why it's here in this game. This game I, I think it's kind of curious to hear this game described as a horror game, but it quickly becomes grotesque in a way that, uh, and I would I would include these sort of creature horrors in the grotesque that I don't think I was prepared for, um, having not seen anything. I thought it was just like, oh, werewolves, oh, vampires, oh, murder and death and blood poison lore stuff. Um, had no idea that it was going to play on like base instincts of fears. Yeah. It's Lovecraft. It's fine. No, it's it's very. It's like Scarecrow in Nolan's Batman. Scary. That's a great analogy for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. If, yeah. Yeah. Rom's a big moment too. It's, and yeah. Jacob didn't really believe. It. I was like, "Oh, this is a big moment." Jacob's like, "Is it? Was it? What do you I'm mean like, big moment?" I'm like, "Look around, because Rom the vacuum like spider context. is." obscuring what is actually happening in the world and the actual state of Yarnum. Oh, so that's why you have the illusion fall? Where you like roll off the bridge and you think you're going to like fall in the water, but it's actually like a platform? That's like an illusion thing that the spiders created? I think so. But also, once you've killed Rom, the illusion over Yarnum is gone and you can see what is going on. And you can see, the yes, the, the blood moon descends. You can see what's happening. You can see the yeah. um, small, I forget if they're small amygdalas or minor <sighs> amygdalas, or there's a word for them, that are on the, the, buildings, on the buildings looking down. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. I hate so those, those. Are, those are like mini great ones who are hanging out there now that are like lording over everything. And fun fact, 
So we talked about insight earlier. If your you get your insight high, just in general throughout the game, if your insight mm-hmm. is above a certain levels, um, you will perceive more things because oh. you have more eyes, you have more insight. So if your oh. insight is pretty high, um, you'll hear um, the crying from like Murgo throughout in other oh, places yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, but the big one is if it is above 40, before the blood moon descends, you will mm. see the lesser amygdalas. That's what they are. The lesser amygdalas over um, Cathedral Ward before the red moon descends. Because your insight oh. is high enough, you can perceive them. So you'll be walking back and you'll go, oh my god, what is that thing? And you didn't even descend the blood moon yet. Also, did anyone encounter this? You don't even have to perceive them for them to affect you. Because I was being super thorough and exploring and looking at everything I possibly could. And then I was going around Cathedral Ward and I thought I saw like a little glint at the one yeah. corner of it and if and i walked over there and i was like oh what's what's going on and all of a sudden this hand you get picked up appeared out of nowhere <laughs> and grabbed me up and went wow. and like crushed me and i was like oh my and and i knew that later on th- there are these things up there so i'm like oh they're already there i didn't know that they were already there and then i just couldn't yeah. see them i thought that they just like came about but no there everything is already there you just can't see it yet mm so much worse I got to know they've picked been there up the by like an invisible hand like i yeah. could see essentially like a spell and there was just just like in the corner of one of the cemeteries i think in cathedral, cathedral ward, ward. there's the like one. a little oh. spell going off near the fence yeah and mm. i went to investigate because i think there's an item right near there so i'm like ooh, piece of candy to, <laughs> to go and get the item and i got picked up and i had no idea what had picked me up yeah. to kill me and it was i never i'm just oh i guess i'm not gonna go over there i guess i just don't know anything about this game and don't know how to play so nope yeah not going near there wow. oh that was one of the lesser amygdalas after the blood moon i did message you essentially with the amygdalas and just sent you like a what are those in our group chat when i realized they could one shot you yeah mm. he goes what are those big oh those big things on the buildings is that what you're talking about I'm like yeah that's what i'm talking about and then a few minutes later he goes the ones that can laser eye one shot you i'm like yep those are the ones yeah yeah there's a lot of things in this world can, that can just one-shot you. Yes. Very, I think that's lot. characteristic of the From experience that I've gone through. Is I think being one-shotted is usually a sign that you're not ready to deal with something yet. Um, not always, of course, but as a good rule of thumb, like if something is reliably one-shotting you and you have no chance of survival, you either need to become stronger or come back later. My instant reaction to one shot to getting one-shot is just to laugh now. Because yeah, I love yeah. these games. Because to me, these games are fun now. Like, they're just so much fun. So if I get one shot, I just burst out laughing. And I'm like, wow. Mm. Okay. Let's, let's, let's try again. Mm-hmm. The thing that consistently one-shotted me, talking about bosses. So Mikalash literally, surprisingly, took me probably 20 to 25 times to beat. Wow. And that was the only boss where I didn't... I think I probably did most bosses in, like, under 10 tries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first boss, I just didn't know how to Bloodborne. So the Cleric Beast, that's optional. The Cleric Beast, I probably did 20 times. Um, But Mikalash had Arcane Blasts that on their own, one missile wouldn't one-shot you. But based on how they were shot out and based on how you were moving around the the room, if two of them hit you, then they could one-shot you. Mm -hmm. So that's one instance where I'm like, 
maybe one shot sometimes even like the the murgo's wet nurse uh they had combos that could one shot you yeah where i was just like I'm I'm probably properly leveled for this or a, mm-hmm. a smidge under leveled for this, but I just need to avoid. Like, yeah. I just need to take it way slower. You get caught in a loop, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh no, I can't get out of this," and then you're dead. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned this in terms of like which bosses you've got stuck on as well. I mean, you have a few more under your belt than I do, but um, with the exception, I, I don't remember if I talked about this in our first record. Um, I know I mentioned that I had encountered Father Gascoigne, but I hadn't actually like, I don't think I'd overcome him at that point in time, if memory serves. Um, that was the only boss that actually gave me significant trouble where I was repeatedly going back. And I think one of the reasons is the bo- boss run up there is just so tedious and involved. We have to like bait people and get the boulder rolling and all that stuff. But um, but I, I probably fought him 30 to, I don't want to exaggerate, probably 30 times. Um, the other bosses, almost without exception, wow. I, I killed probably on my second attempt on average, almost every, I first tried a number of bosses. Wow. I, I did under five attempts on almost everything. Um, and I think two is my consistent number where I find the boss. It does something surprising, like explode with poison or have a second phase or whatever. That thing surprises me and kills me. And I didn't have time to like create space or heal or whatever um and then i would go back and second try it almost always Uh, and that's not like a humble brag in the sense of like because i think i'm also in the camp of being bad with bloodborne even though that statement is now redacted but um i generally speaking with with the bosses did not think that any of them were necessarily hard shadow of yarnum asterisk on that because I cheated. But when it comes to my, when I think back on Dark Souls <laughs> or I think back on Elden Ring, there are a number of bosses I would put above what I've experienced in Bloodborne so far. In fact, I will go as far now as to say Bloodborne is the easiest FromSoft game that I've played. I feel that way pretty it is. confidently. Katie, Katie was right. It is. It's the easiest <clears throat> one. Guys, I don't know. Something about the pace of the combat and the way that you can get health back and how much mm-hmm. health vials you have. It's... Yeah. It's not that hard. And if you get mm-hmm. stuck on something where you're just like, I have the wrong approach, then like I said on the part one, you then you just check a guide and you're like, oh, this is what I'm doing wrong. Like, this is what I have to yeah. do when this happens. And now I'm good. But mm-hmm. no, Bloodborne's not that hard. It's not. It's deceiving. It looks hard because it's very dark yeah. and, you know, ominous and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But and if you approach things wrong, yes, you will get killed instantly. If you do, sure. if you go about it the wrong way. But it's not that hard. Um, for me, my first, so my, well, my second, my first playthrough of this for this podcast, where I did everything, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ones that I really had trouble with were a couple of the DLC bosses. Hmm. Um, the final DLC boss is hard. It is <laughs> difficult. It took the me a good... The Orphan of Koss? The Orphan of Koss, yes. Uh very difficult it reminded me more so of like a fast elden ring boss like a not not large hulking one but one of the faster ones um yeah yeah, uh that one gave me some some trouble i that was probably a good like (laughs) 10 tries jacob's making a face Wait, yeah, so I'm, watching face, video, I'm watching video of this boss. Oh. I'm watching video of this boss. Yeah. It, yeah. It's tough. Um, it took Does me it a, have like a blood club? Uh, it is a it is a umbilical cord blood club. Because, hmm. sure. 
why not? Because we play into why this not? whole thing of these of these great ones, and it was like a great one born out of a great one, and and there's a lot of mm. things about like birth and uh, yeah, mothers and there's a lot of that throughout the whole game, um, and the great well, ones trying to like impregnate some of the women of Yarnum to create more great ones and a lot of that stuff. Weirdly enough, this I, boss I, has so much reach. Sorry, go ahead. When I spoke earlier about not knowing anything about the story, I, I meant that sincerely. But the one of the themes that I felt like I picked up on the, in this game was motherhood and like a complicated relationship with mm-hmm. it. Um, it's just now occurring to me as I'm speaking, Bloodborne as a name. I've never thought about it. Like, it, is this game making a commentary on womanhood slash motherhood like directly or is that more of just like an atmospheric thing that i think it's more just like we're they're all born of the blood like they're all born the air like i think it's more like i don't know it's up for interpretation i guess but i think it's just like we they're using the old blood in like this situation and uh, i i think um one of the early on in the game someone says like oh we are born of the blood we die by the blood such and such Mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know if they're trying to be super specific about it or if they're just uh, purposefully being vague. I don't know. But yeah, it's yeah. a recurring theme for sure. Hmm. And a lot Can of the NPC ask- women get uh, exactly later on in the game end up getting basically oh. getting impregnated with great ones. And then oh. you can kill them to get umbilical cords. And it's it's it gets dark. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask because, um, again, we're spoiling Bloodborne. Yes. There are three. And Flora, Four. are you okay if I if I go in on this? I meant to say this earlier. Spoil as much as you want to talk about. Like, I, okay. no holds barred. I think listeners as well. Like, this is our second podcast. You've had two warnings. Uh, I'm just a little slow. So yeah. talk about anything. I, I'm so curious. Are there three endings or four? Three endings. Three? Okay, there are three endings. So there's... Yeah, there's three. So there are essentially, um, you can you can get to Murgo's wet nurse, and mm. if you beat Murgo's wet nurse, you're given an offer by um, by uh, German the first the first hunter German, German. Uh, where he either you know offers to kill you and you know take you out of this nightmare, or to you refuse his offer and you have to fight him. So the first is you accept his offer. He like essentially guillotines your head and you're taken out of the hunter's dream the second Hmm. is you fight him the third is you don't accept his offer you fight him and you have these three thirds of umbilical cord so there are these items that are like one third of an umbilical cord and i think just playing the game you get one of the three um but there are two others somewhere in the world and you fight the true final boss if you have all three pieces of the umbilical cord but i don't know what that has to do with anything um what do those items what significance do those items have so they are the um umbilical cords of a great one more or less okay so if you if you use three of them so basically like i'm pretty sure like ingest three of them there are four throughout the whole game you only need three of them oh there are four um so if you use three of them then once you have fought German and you've won, the moon presence that's up by the like the blood moon descends down and basically tries to either I don't know if it tries to eat you or try to like take you in to make another child to make another great one. I'm not sure. But because you've taken in these three umbilical cords, you basically have like 
great one spirit or great one in you and you kind of repel it back and then you end up fighting the moon presence that has come down and that's like the final boss and then if once you beat him um you are like basically a slug on the ground that the doll picks up because you are now a great one like you've ascended to be a great a great one yes but you're just a slug yes those two boss fights awesome as final boss fights it as i'm too excited i've lost my breath like five (laughs) times already um for final boss fights those two are so great to cap off Mm -hmm. the game because i find murgo's wet nurse to be very easy because you really just have to sidestep behind them and then hack at them and i they're not very hard and i don't know i like i like the look of them and i i like their fight moves and everything but still but german and the moon presence are just top tier love them i i'm most interested in, in seeing how jacob reacted to the endings here um not just because you suggested you took the easy way out but from soft endings in my experience are always bittersweet like trade-offs sacrifices yeah. where the world is not saved necessarily it is either restored to how it was in some capacity before you entered it or it is arguably worse than before you found it and your efforts are either for naught or you become part of the problem you're right Uh, you never fix the thing that's going on in this case the three endings you either are killed and return exit the dream um which i don't know that that's good or bad it's it's kind of neutral. Um, you or, save yourself. What's that? You save yourself, really. Kind of, I guess. Yeah, kind of. You're just like, I'm done. I'm going to leave this. Or mm-hmm. you fight German, and then you basically take German's place mm-hmm. as residing over the um, Hunter's Dream. Mm-hmm. Or you kill the Moon Presence and become a great one, which I guess is good. I don't know. You're yeah. a weird, evil... Uh, demon god so no slug i I, (laughs) i'm gonna be a demon god just give me time i'm still a baby slug well it sounds like this is exactly the same thing that happens at the end and i will be vague i don't want to spoil the other games um dark souls and elden ring where uh you kind of it's structurally identical what the endings are doing and i find that surprising only because i i think that a lot of the dna in souls games is copy paste in some sense where like even the ui looks identical in some mm-hmm. cases to other games the mechanics are all the same the combat is very similar etc and it's interesting slash surprising to me to hear that like structurally bloodborne does the same thing at the end i i don't know what i'm expecting of from soft but the fact that they kind of end everything in the same place is is i think maybe part of why people feel so like dare I say cultishly about these games where like you kind of know what narrative fodder you're getting into in the same way that when I pick up the next Yakuza game, for example, I know that I'm ending up with like a shirtless rooftop brawl. Like, like no matter what shirts are coming off, men are fighting. That's Yakuza every time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel like people probably like that consistency. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it because I, I am a sucker for a tragedy. That is my favorite Mm -hmm. kind of story. If I had to like find a genre of, of narrative, but um, 
it, it's kind of, I, I'm really interested because what I would choose to do, having not done it yet, is see if I could find those umbilical cords and find like the true final boss or whatever. That sort of thing is way more interesting to me than what you're describing of just like, oh, just die and just like end, end the yeah. game soon. It was kind of anticlimactic, which is how I felt the first, my first playthrough. I was like, that. <clears throat> so that's the end? Like when the credits yeah. rolled, I was like, oh, I yeah. beat the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I suppose, and it, yeah, I didn't feel right, but also, it was my first time ever, and mm-hmm. I was like, "I'll take it. I'll take it and run." Yeah. yeah. Um, there are these threads that connect all the Soulsborne games, where mm-hmm. uh, there's just a few of them, like you said, just the general structure, um, and then there are also some weapons that overreach. There's um, the the moonlight, the moonlight greatsword. Uh, I'm. Oh, I up stuck the with my original weapon the whole game. Yeah, I did too. I'm... But you can find that Moonlight Greatsword in the mm. DLC, and that is a uh, consistent weapon throughout all the Souls games and Elden mm. Ring. Oh, and also you can find um, patches. Mm. Patches. Oh, really? oh and that's I didn't cool. know he was here. And then I is found him. Is he also him. a merchant? Uh. I, I think if you follow through on a couple of things, then he can be. I think I'm not. Sh- I'm not certain okay. on that. But I didn't think he was in the game because I had yeah. not found him previously. And I then I stumbled that. upon him, and I was like, <gasps> "It's patches!" <laughs> and you're right; it is a thing that makes us happy. That makes uh, fans of these games happy. Mm-hmm. That just these little overlaps that kind of reward mm-hmm. you as being a fan. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not fan service. Like it's not like overreaching i mean it is but it's not to the point that it's negatively impacting the game like it's not just it's not beating you over the head but it's this little nugget that you find that you're like oh there's patches that little devil uh i wanted to to ask about weapons yes um flora you answered my question um i saw i stayed with the saw cleaver for a lot of it and then the hunter axe for a lot of it as well. So I basically had my saw cleaver up to eight or I think plus eight or plus nine. And then I had my hunter axe up to plus seven. And I was just using my hunter axe when I needed distance from the um, from the enemy where I would put it in its longer mode and then use my visceral attack just to keep enemies at bay. Um, but I wanted to know what y'all did because I saw people with swords and I saw the cane and I wanted to try, but I also just, again, wanted to wanted to go through the game. I actually had a comment about what we said earlier as well. I just took the, the ending I took because I wanted sweet release. I literally was living my, like, in-game character's life where I'm like, I want <laughs> sweet release from this world. Just release me, baby. And that's why I just took the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Weapons. Sm- Sorry. Small amendment to the weapon thing, because I blanketly said that I stuck with the the cleaver. Um, I also alternated midway through the playthrough towards the end of where I'm at right now with, um, I think it's tonitris. I don't I don't know how to say this. I keep in my brain saying tonitritis bolt like spy family. But um, but in reality, the weapon itself was just a big <laughs> lugging mace that has like electric charge to it. So it does elemental damage on top of everything. But then I got mm. to a point with my cleaver where I found some sort of blood gem fortification where I could um, add fire damage to it. So it was doing elemental damage. It was healing me twice. And it was, um, of, of course, boosted with its attack and not to mention the upgrades. Those were my two primary weapons. I, I picked up some other weapons as well. And I was, I went on this 
fool's errand i looked up most powerful bloodborne weapons um once i realized i was panicking and wasn't going to finish so i was like all right let me find something that's like broken or overpowered i'm sure there's one so apparently there is one the whirligig saw and Mm. it is a dlc weapon and i did not feel like it was a wise decision to buy the dlc explore the new area get the weapon (laughs) bring it all the way back upgrade it and whatever so i stuck with my opening weapon it was quicker than the tenitrous thing and um of the other weapons I picked up, I, I just chose not to upgrade any of it. Yeah, I messed around with a few weapons. I got the whirly gig, and I messed around with that for a little bit, and I had a little bit of fun. Um, but the at the end of the day, my hunter's axe, I know that thing inside and out. I know exactly yeah. how to use it. I know if I dash forward and I attack, I'll do a thrust. If I do this, like if I take a side, I know everything. I know the exact range. I know how fast it'll take. Like, it is it's my buddy and i know everything about it and it's it's yeah it's my friend so i messed around with some other stuff but i ended up just going back to to my favorite weapon Mm -hmm. i know that you you gave some really sage advice early on that some of the weapons have like secret not secret but like under the the radar like abilities so like it has serrated damage the saw cleaver Mm -hmm. and serrated is good against like a lot of the early bosses uh, like Gascoigne as a werewolf or a beast, Vicar Amelia, cleric beast, like you get 20% extra damage. Oh, wow. I did. Yeah. So so it's really helpful early on, which is why I, I don't think I said this on the other podcast. I started the game with a hunter axe. I was getting nowhere. So I like started a new file. I'd only played for maybe two hours and I've gotten absolutely nowhere. <laughs> so I retried with the saw cleaver and I, I just used this cause it's a lot faster than the hunter axe. And it really helped me like get through those first couple hours. I ended up buying it again because I liked it, but <laughs> I relied on that sock lever. I, I think the thing I want out of my FromSoft weapons is speed more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I felt this with Elden Ring, which is why I didn't... like. I veered away from physical attacks as quickly as possible in that game, and I was doing a lot of magic because I could keep distance, which felt like even though I'm making slow attacks, at least I'm able to manage my position in relation to these attacks, and so uh, I, I'm less at risk of dying. And then with Dark Souls, I, I, I went with a longsword build of some variety, and it was just fundamentally slow and frustrating, and I, I never found something that like matched the speed that i was looking for but the saw cleaver in bloodborne i think is kind of perfect in how it feels just moving around with it um just quickly able to put three four sometimes five attacks in a row before needing to create that space with an enemy and uh and again i think learning uh, i think i said this about gascoin like Gascoigne was the hardest to me because of how quick he moved. He would just, just boom, attack, boom, attack, boom, attack. And there's no time in that fight to create that distance, even though it's a very environmentally driven fight. The the thing that I, I got comfortable with in Bloodborne later was like the Tenitris thing, which is much slower. Um, I, I felt like I was able to do twice the damage with one hit that I was with the Saw Cleaver. And it really had to depend on the boss and like how rapid those attacks uh, were coming at me. So, for example, like the one Reborn, basically no attacks, uh, minus like the random sludge poison thing that happens. You have like some flailing limbs that are just the easiest thing in the world to avoid. Yep. But then there's like, again, the other end of the spectrum, like your gas coins, where if I tried to use that weapon on gas coin, I think I'd get wrecked. And and so I, I found that really interesting that Bloodborne, like I, I became comfortable with even things like the, the interrupt with the gun, like just like stunning things. Um, mm-hmm. the, some of the later hunters and bosses, I, I was able to just like snipe them just and just get them down real quick. And, and I, I got way more comfortable with that than I was anticipating as well. Hmm. 
it took me a while to understand that that gun was used for parrying. Like, I, I just didn't get it. Well, you can upgrade it and you can get other ones. Like, I found a cannon that I didn't have enough skill to wield because um, I put all of my stats. We should probably talk about stats, but I put all of them in the first three, like vitality, mm-hmm. endurance, and strength. Yep. I didn't touch yep. anything else. Uh, I literally Same. put 100% of stats on those first three. But the, yep. the cannon was tempting because I saw the damage it could do and the effects it could have. And I had enough, like, shards or whatever to upgrade the thing. I just didn't want to suddenly, like, divert where I was investing my, my stats because I've been burned in the past with uh, Dark Souls games uh, or just Soulsborne games more generally, where with the exception of Elden Ring, I don't know that you can respec in Dark Souls 1. I'm not sure. But in Elden Ring, I, re- I respect and, like, got to move my things around once with, like, a tier, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that you can do it either. You can do it many times. Elden Ring is super generous with respecs. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I did same thing. Um, vitality, endurance, strength, and then sometimes skill because I was Mm -hmm. using the hunter's axe. And sometimes if you check, because as that stat goes up, it has less of an effect. Like there are kind of tiers to how they cap at like 30 or 40. Yeah. Or, or like there are soft caps and they're hard caps. Um, so at a certain points, skill upgrading my skill actually helped do more damage than upgrading my strength at that moment. But Hmm mainly those three yes were where i focused everything yeah if you if you kind of spread yourself too thin and try and be master of everything you know what what is it uh master of none what's the help me jack out jack of all it's, trades it's, master uh, of none uh, jack of all trades master of none thank you friends uh that will screw you over very much yeah yeah, yeah katie you gave me that sage wisdom and i followed your wisdom of like i ended up having vitality a little higher than the rest but it was like vitality endurance strength I think endurance and strength were in the 30s and uh, maybe vitality was or in the like high 20s and vitality was in the low 30s um, yeah. by the time I finished the game. And then sidearms, I, I literally stuck to the hunter's pistol. I tried the blunderbuss because uh, one of the boss fights, I, I was watching Griffin McElroy's from Polygon's boss breakdowns because I thought that they were really like they were short and sweet and Griffin is a is a sweet boy. Um, so I wanted to hear his take on it and he had said, Hey, use the hunter blunderbuss for one of like maybe Vicar cause it stuns. But I just like, I knew how to use the parry to use visceral attacks on the like common enemies, but I, I just had never figured it out to, on like bosses. I used it to just get some damage. If I like when I was, um, with Murgo, I was just like using it to get a little bit of damage here and there. I actually found it much easier to use these these gun interrupts on bosses than your common enemy. And I think that's true because there's so much <laughs> oh. more diversity of your common enemies than there is bosses. Um, typically speaking, I as I discovered a few hours into Bloodborne, my, my strategy moving into boss fights is simply watch what happens, try to bait a few attacks and then just like run away real quick and just see what the effect of those attacks are and how likely, like, it's all RNG, but um, what the variety of those attacks are going to look yeah. like and everything like that. But once I figured it out, I got pretty aggressive with with how i wanted to approach each fight and like vicar amelia again back to like the surprise thing if she if she hadn't like healed in the middle of the fight and i suddenly felt like oh no i was so close i have to like suddenly like go in for the kill i just i I got like there's there's a term in soulsborne communities that i've heard it's called greed um obviously we all know what greed means but like in Soulsborne games, greed is where you see that the boss's health bar chip away, chip away, chip away, and you start to feel mm-hmm. better about yourself. And you're like, yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. This is within range. And you see that last, like, 20% or less. 
and you think, oh, this is it. I don't care. I'm going to tank a hit. I'm going to drop a few extra yeah. strikes here, yep. and I'm going to win. And then that's when you die every time. So it, it felt mm-hmm. like a micro version of that because I, I suddenly felt like, oh, no, I'm going to have to do this entire fight again. She doesn't actually heal her entire bar, but it was enough of, like, I saw it start going back up, and I was like, oh, no, I need to stop this animation. I need to, like, make this character stunned and then finish it off. But anyway, my mistake. It warms my heart so much to see Jacob saying, yeah, I know what that is about about Soulsborne games. I feel like yeah. you've been not quite converted, but a little bit. I feel like well, you're a little bit there. Izzy. It you felt good, you... didn't it? Okay, when you beat when you beat Mikolash, was it not one of the best feelings ever? It's one of the best what? feelings ever. Yeah. That's the thing with how difficult the games are, and people knock how difficult they are, but that leads into that feeling of accomplishment when you get over that hurdle, and that's kind of the point of the games, right? Mm-hmm. Is like that, like we like nothing feels better than that. Like you end up like yelling and jumping up and celebrating, yeah. and it it feels so good. I think back to all the gaming that I've done, maybe in the past like five five or so years because i started tracking every game that i finished maybe five or six years ago no actually i've been doing it for 10 years because i'm crazy um and i can't think of a game like returnal returnal's up there for like feeling accomplished Mm -hmm. but i can't think of another game at least in the last five years where i've felt as accomplished finish it finishing it because it was much more difficult than the average game I play. It is not two times harder. It is five times harder than the average game I play. And I'm just and I'm just so proud of myself for finishing it and like not giving up because because there was a lot of times where I wanted to give up. There were a lot of times I wanted to give up and I didn't give up. And like I said, I don't think I've I've been converted at the Church of Bloodborne. I'm not about to go like you Katie and play Sekiro and play Dark Souls and play, you know, Elden Ring. I have a copy of Elden Ring, so I'm probably at some point you in should the play next Elden couple Ring. months going to open it. You should play it. Elden Absolutely Ring. Absolutely play Elden Ring. But I'm not, not going to do that to myself because that's, that's not the kind yeah. of... That's not... I derive enjoyment out of games. Like, I love an Uncharted game, right? Because Uncharted mm-hmm. game is like... Popcorn. Story, like <laughs> hijinks, popcorn, and like fun, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily what Bloodborne is. I, I love that I played it. I appreciate very much that everyone pushed me to do it. I'm so happy I did it. I appreciate them. And that's, I don't have anything, I don't have anything bad to say about Bloodborne or the Souls series. It's just not for everyone. It's not. And, and that's okay. It's not. And, that, I, yeah, and that's okay. I honestly, I think that's the case with almost all games. Almost all games are not for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's okay. Like I, uh, Call of Duty Warzone, that's not for me. It's not for me that's okay it doesn't make it a bad game it's just that's not made for me and there are plenty of other there are so many games out there that there are games for you so i don't know i've never thought of it as a bad thing that like it's not for everyone because i think that's just a reductive argument because like i said no games are for everyone i don't really think that they exist i mean maybe i don't know even candy crush some people are like i don't like candy crush it's not for everybody even like at the base level. So I, I, it would be nice if as far if we we're going to just crack, just a little crack in the accessibility conversation. It, I would mm. appreciate if they did things um, that say like Naughty Dog has done recently as far as uh-huh. people who have issues oh, yeah. with uh, their, uh, their vision or with their mm-hmm. hearing or things like that. Um, but as far as like 
I don't I don't know think that it needs toggles for you know, invincibility toggles or this or that. I don't, or extra health. Because that's in the game, though. You can find that. You can get that item. I wouldn't yeah, be mad I'm if always, they... I'm always team accessibility. Like, I wouldn't be mad the if they put it in. I wouldn't be mad. Like, that's fine. I don't care. It's not going to affect my uh, gaming, uh, you know, experience in any way. So, fine. If they want to add it in, add it in. But I'm not going to mad yeah, that it's not there. I don't know. That's where I'm at. Flora, you're dying to get in here. Jumping out of her skin. Yes. Go. Several fingers were held up. Um, I I don't know. This is going to be a meandering train wreck of thoughts, but I'll do my best. One of the points that I need to respond to, basically, is is the <clears throat> supposition that Bloodborne or Soulsborne bosses in particular give you a feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction. I personally never feel that. Um, like people what? talk about the rush you get in Dark Souls games or whatever, where you you beat the thing that's been killing you five times, and then you suddenly like have this like unparalleled like uh, sort of euphoric, it's euphoria. Feeling. It's the best feeling yeah. ever. Yes, I'm, it wow, does not really? happen to me at all. It's weird, and I, I huh. wonder if that's because I'm someone who doesn't like challenge. Like as a general net rule, I think this is going to sound maybe egotistical, but like growing up, I was like a designated gifted child. And so everything came really easy to me. And so I never had to learn like how to overcome adversity until my adulthood. And, and Hmm. with that delayed development in mind, um, I give up on things if I'm not good at them really quickly. I, I typically associate difficulty or toughness or necessary persistence as, Oh, either that's not for me. I don't like that or whatever. And I think that's where dark souls games simply left me in the beginning. Uh, and it took persistent attempts to get over that, that hump Uh, and the inertia there. I think like when I played cleric beast at the beginning of the game and I first tried it, my adrenaline was like 15 out of 10 because I was so scared and astonished that this boss had just surprised me. I just took it down without like taking any damage. It was just like, oh my God, am I going to die? But then like, it wasn't like, yay, I feel like I've improved, which is the thing that people in the Dark Souls fan base tend to say, or I keep saying Dark Souls, Soulsborne fan base tend to say about these games is that these games are not necessarily difficult. They simply are really stern masters of skill and and they teach you how to play them uh, in a punishing way, but you learn and you improve and you can see demonstrably that skill increase that you've made over time. And I think another thing that like, weirdly enough, even the toxic gatekeeping get good types of, of the fans of these games, those people would also mm-hmm. probably acknowledge the other point that y'all were making about these games not being for everybody. Uh, I, I think that there there is a sort of desire within these games to withhold the experience of success from others and just to be clear i'm not suggesting that katie's comment about accessibility was indicating that at all i think ultimately the opposite is happening here where we would all love more accessibility options of all varieties however the statement that these games wouldn't benefit from something like a difficulty slider a damage toggle an invincibility toggle things like that I fundamentally disagree with that. Um, I, I know that it's more work and effort and labor on the companies to make these settings happen. But 
with Celeste, for example, one of my favorite games of all time, you can simply make yourself invincible. I've never been tempted to do it. Mm -hmm. But when I thought about going back for like the 100% of collecting all the berries in that game, being invincible would make my life really easy and it would encourage me to actually revisit all the optional stuff that is like a little intimidating. In these games, I fundamentally believe the most interesting thing about every Soulsborne game I've played is exploration. Like exploring these games and seeing how these environments end up interlocking is the rewarding part for me where you suddenly come down an elevator and you walk out and you're back in the jail area that you were in before or other such things. Um, you, you suddenly take a corner and all of a sudden you're back in Yarnum. And seeing that world and, and assembling that world in your head, I think is actually really, really great. I think that's the, the strength here. And, and final thought, I guess, on all of this is if I could just do like a walking simulator version of Bloodborne and just tour my way through everything and just like, all right, strike down a boss real quick like I did Shadow of Yarnum, I think <laughs> I would love that. Like, I wouldn't want to play it that way on my first try, but especially going back for collecting things, exploring things, doing optional bosses, I would genuinely love that. And and it's one of the biggest reasons why I wish Bloodborne was on PC, because with Elden Ring and with Dark Souls, I've cheated. I've done some sort of difficulty modification and it's made my life easier. I've liked the games more. Uh, the frictionless nature of that is appealing. So mm-hmm. do with that what you will. I will agree that difficulty sliders or toggles or whatever it may be wouldn't make the, would yeah. not negatively impact you don't the have game to do it. for me. Because it, for me, it, it would it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, you don't have to do it. It is optional. It doesn't matter. As far as whether I I go in the the lane of it is a developer choice, like and is if they don't want to, if they're like no, I don't want to, they are probably cutting themselves mm-hmm. off from a lot of a lot of income, a lot of extra players, and that's their choice. And. Mm-hmm. If they want to do it, they want to do it. I don't know. I, I agree. Celeste, great. If they, they wanted to include that, and a lot of people have really enjoyed that, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, FromSoft is like, no, we don't want to. Up till now. We'll see. I feel like Elden Ring actually kind of opened that up quite a bit, so I'm curious to see what they do in the future. I don't know how mm-hmm. they're going. that's going to influence their decisions, um, having this like mm-hmm. increased mainstream success, but... Yeah, I just kind of always go with, that's what they wanted to do. Would it be nice for some people? Absolutely. I don't think of it as a negative. I don't think it's something that they have to do. But um, I I do agree with you. The people who gatekeep in a way that are like, well, it's just not for you. Therefore, sit over there Mm -hmm. because you're not one of us. That's crappy. That's terrible. Like, no, no, I'm in favor of like, no, no, encouraging. Like, Jacob, Mm -hmm. no, come on in you can do it we're gonna help you and there are things that you can do there are summons there are uh, different items you can get there are so many things that you can do to help you get through this game and you don't have to just like only one-on-one each boss and fight them this way and fight them the hardest way and you don't have to beat all the end game bosses and blah 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 blah. it doesn't matter you just but uh, you know encouraging people is is the lane that i liked for these for the fan base to go in and i feel like that's uh increasing i feel like it's a little bit more welcoming than it used to be i agree with both of you oh, on one fun. point and disagree with <laughs> both of you on one point yay um, i love it i love this. i think so on the catharsis piece of like beating a boss and getting a sense of accomplishment um there were several bosses 
where and maybe it's because I experienced the game differently and because I'm impatient and it sounds like I played a lot of the bosses more than you Flora mm-hmm. like played Mikalash 20 times the cleric beast maybe 20 times uh, even the, the final boss um, uh, Murgo's uh, wet nurse uh, about 10 times I got like hmm. such a sense of accomplishment from beating those bosses because you know the hardest game I the hardest games I played and I actually looked it up in the last ten years. Returnal is the second hardest game I've ever played, and Bloodborne is the hardest game I've ever played. So to face those bosses and I'm not good at video games and to you know go against them twenty times and then on the twenty first attempt get it like I got a real sense of accomplishment. Accomplishment. Yeah. I wish you could have been in the room when I beat Murgo's wet nurse <laughs> and I Aww. literally I was like bouncing up and down because I was like. The first hunter's gonna take off my head and I'm gonna beat Bloodborne and it's gonna happen and I'm gonna see the sunrise. That was literally me. So I agree with you, uh, Katie, in that respect. I agree with you, Flora, in the accessibility perspective. I am very much like always, let's just make it because I am an able-bodied person, um, I I don't have any sort of like accessibility concern. That uh, you know, it would be great if, for example, these games had settings mm-hmm. that would help people who have cognitive delays or people mm-hmm. who have some sort of visual impairment. Like those two categories of you know disability cannot play Bloodborne. It's just yeah. the way it yeah. is, and I just love for them to be able to, even if it's. You know, we can have a debate about whether or not, you know, those will be up front or in the settings or if, you know, everyone gets the trophy, which like also trophies are stupid. But I understand that some people like really appreciate having the trophy for playing it through like 100 percent the right way. Um, But yeah, I just think games should be accessible to everyone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's more work. Um, But this is not a small title. So. I guess in that respect, I agree with you. We, we can, ha- you know, debate the semantics of you get the trophy, you don't get the trophy. You don't Everyone get gets a trophy. It kind of sucks, but... Mm. Everyone gets a trophy. I'll just say quick yeah. that I completely agree with you as far as games should be for everyone as far as what they are able to do, as far as able. Mm. Um, I By games not for everyone, yeah. I meant more personality-based. Like some games are not for everyone as far as just the personality and what they enjoy and what they like. And they don't have to uh, try and appease everyone. Because I feel like if a game is trying to appease everyone, it's usually Like Katie, you said on our... In general. On our Doki Doki podcast, you also were saying like, oh, this game is not for me. Like I I totally take the good faith aspect of what you're you're pointing out there. I I think that definitely like certain tastes, like Jacob would never get into the Yakuza games, for example. Like like I'm pretty sure that that's cut and dry, not for him sort of thing. I try. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I try. Yeah, like with with me, I have games like that as well. Like a lot of first person shooters or like farming simulator things, or just like like there are things that I am not interested in, and I think that's completely valid. The thing I would take issue with perhaps is the the supposition that in Soulsborne games, accessibility options are built into them. Um, Katie's not the first person I've heard say something like this, where you can summon, you can find an item, you can develop a strategy, whatever it is, and overcome your current issue. I, I really think it's as simple as, like, Jacob, you described this as a big title. Like, like first-party titles like this should have things that enable accessibility, and and I don't actually buy, I'm not convinced by the argument that 
Soulsborne games have accessibility options in them. Like, I actually think that's false. I mean, it, it's an interpretation, of course. But I no. I really would love something like literally in the settings menu. Um, I, I think that, yes, there are gradations of difficulty that you can supplant upon yourself while playing these games. Like, for example, I never summoned anybody. I therefore played arguably a more difficult version of the game than I could have or ought to have. Um, and, and that significantly impacted my experience subjectively. But at the same time, I, I think that these games never stop being unforgiving and punishing. Like, you simply just get better at them. And and it puts the onus on the player rather than the developer to make the game, um, well, sorry for the repetitive vocabulary, but just accessible. Like, I, I think that that's something I would like to see more of. As, like Katie suggests, they've grown and gained more... Um, mainstream popularity i hope that a future FromSoft game is gonna have more options for someone like me or like someone else uh to decide whether or not they want to use them or, or not i think we're all agreeing that like accessibility to level the playing mm-hmm. field is a requirement every time yeah. but i think it's mostly just you know debating about the the style the yeah, genre sure. of the game mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and even you know once that that playing field has been leveled mm-hmm what the difficulty is at that level playing field. Yeah. I'd be on board with that. And whether or not you get to slide that up and down. Yeah. There are games where I don't think that like accessibility options would be something I would use, but I would still think it would be a net good for everyone involved if they were there. I think we all are probably on that same territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Before I feel like we're getting close to wrapping up. Probably. I have one. I have my rant. Oh I have chambered. God, you've been so patient. Yes, please chamber just, your rant. Just, Go. Just let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I just uh, take the mic for a second. So I was. I was planning on likely attempting to platinum this game. Ah. As I have platinumed Elden Ring and I have platinumed uh, uh, Sekiro. Mm. And then I got so close, and I have one trophy remaining that mm. I will never get. And I've just decided, no, I'm not getting this. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get the platinum because the Chalice Dungeons are the worst thing that FromSoft has ever made. (laughs) Worst as in impossible? I've never played an Armored Core game, but I know (laughs) it's worse than the Chalice. I know that Chalice Dungeons are worse than anything in an Armored Core game, even though I have never played them. They're terrible. They're so bad. Okay. They are repetitive. They are, they're so repetitive. There's some variants, but they're pretty repetitive. The bosses within them are mainly bosses from the game that have a little bit of something different. You know, they're in a different environment, whatever. They're a little harder. Uh, There are multiple different kinds of chalice dungeons. There's the Thumaru. There's the lower Thumaru. There's the super duper Thumaru. There's the hinter tombs. There's the Lorans. There's the five different types of Loran ones. You need different chalices to open each one. And there is one boss at the bottom of all of these things that I need to beat. That is a new boss that I would like to beat. I, the time commitment, and I spent a lot of time and then I realized that I was still like three dungeons away and I was like, no, I'm done. You, there are so <laughs> many different kinds. And then within each dungeon, there's like five different levels of dungeon. And to unlock each dungeon, you need the chalice. And you need some combination of like 17 different currencies to open 
each dungeon and they're all found in different places and you have to go to this dungeon to get this many red jellies and you have to go to this dungeon to get four ritual blood fours and i i can't it's so bad i was so mad it's it's just padding which to me is the absolute opposite yeah of what FromSoft games are, there is no padding. Everything has intention. Yeah. And this is just padded on and padded on. And I was, I can't. So I'm never going to Platinum Bloodborne because I, I, and I explored like 13 dungeons and I was still so many away that I'm like, I can't, I'm done. This is too much time. This is time of my life that I'm never getting back. Mm-hmm. And the Talos tal- dungeons are the worst thing that they've ever so, made. So, what is the trophy that you need? Like, do you have to? Beat I have them to all? beat the queen of something, the 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 Yarnum queen or something. Ugh. That's all I need. One single, and you have to beat all the chalice dungeons. Not to all get of them to her. Not all of them, but you have to go through so many of them to get so many different things. Like, uh, <laughs> I just, I can't. She's this not on hard. any of the boss lists. I saw. <laughs> is she like a secret boss? Yeah, in the chalice dungeons. Because the chalice dungeons aren't really part of the game. But you need to kill her to get the platinum. That sounds miserable. Yeah. It was miserable. It does. I hated it. I At, at first, huh. I was like, this is fine. Okay. And I'm like, I'm killing this thing. I'm killing this thing. And then I just got mad. And I thought, this isn't worth it. This isn't worth it at all. No, not at all. We brought up Setobox a couple yeah. times in the podcast. I'm glad you're about to bring this they up. They are currently playing those chalice dungeons. They're currently doing it. I think they're like basically at the end. Like they're about to fight the queen. And yeah. I'm like, kudos to you. Because that's a miserable time. Good job. You're like, nah. Nah. No, thank you. <laughs> you yeeted out of that. Um, thank you for holding that in for almost yeah. two hours. It was hard. I'm As you so can surprised. tell, it just kind of like <laughs> burst out. I couldn't even. It was too fast. I couldn't have done that. Your self-control is admirable. I was debating getting the DLC. The DLC is really good. I've heard nothing but praise for the DLC. Um, now that I don't have a time crunch, like, sort of damocleasing over my head, I feel like I'm going to probably approach the finale <laughs> of this this game with a little more patience than I had, or at least, like, the last 72 hours worth of, of you know, priorities here. Um is there anything, like, if, if someone is listening and is in my situation where I've played most of the base game, if not all of it, and then am considering the DLC, like, is there anything you would say that would tip them over the edge? Because, I mean, that complaint is pretty profound. But, like, other than, like, bonus weapons and stuff, like, is this a required purchase if I am thinking right now, I like Bloodborne, I'm looking forward to finishing it? Uh, Chalice Dungeons are not part of the DLC. Those oh, are separate I misunderstood. Things. I'm sorry. The DLC is just, yeah, no, that's already in there in the base game. Uh, those are the tombstones along the left side of the Hunter's Dream that you can activate with different chalices. Oh, okay. And it's just kind of these dungeons for dungeons oh. sake. Um, the DLC is like new environments um, and new bosses mm-hmm. and also bosses that are based on things that have happened within the base game okay. and cool. people that you encounter that you've heard about. And they are some of my favorite bosses in the entire game. Mm-hmm. I think, I think generally speaking, like if you were to just grade one set versus the other set, I think the DLC bosses are better. Okay, are my preferred bosses. I've heard that. Um, when you say better, what do you mean better? I just more like, enjoyable, more well designed, more more, uh, okay. more I, variety. 
also. Okay. I feel like some of the Bloodborne bosses have a little samey a little bit at mm. times. I feel like maybe like half of them are a little samey in far as like their mm. size and how they move and the type of attacks they have. Mm. Um, I just enjoyed them a lot better Yeah. Um, than I did the main bosses. I still liked them in the main game, but yeah, yeah it kind of like it elevated a little bit. Hmm. So if you are enjoying your time and you're like, oh, I like Bloodborne, then yes, I would say the DLC is worth your time. If you're yeah. like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I feel good with what I've done and I don't need to play more, yeah. then you don't need it. But it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, and the perfect time to probably do it would be right before uh, Mergo's Mer Loft. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could attempt it at any time, yeah. but once you before kind the end of, of the complete game. the game, yeah. I don't know... That you can get into it. No, I'm pretty sure um, all FromSoft games are just full so yeah. New Game Plus in that regard. They just restart you rather than give you like a post-world mm-hmm. to play through. Most cases. Um, I'm conflicted yes. because Bloodborne, to speak kind of broadly, is... I, th- I think I'm going to commit to this view. I think Bloodborne's my least favorite FromSoft game that I've played. Um, and that's saying something in a few ways. Did it... Uh, I'll, I'll clarify the thought. Nikki. Didn't you not really enjoy? Didn't you not really enjoy Demon Souls? Uh, it's not that I didn't enjoy. Didn't you kind of nope out? Uh, accidentally, more of a I got distracted. Nope, like I did nope out, and I still intended mm. to play it. But then my uh, Epilogue Gaming community and our Discord, we all were doing like a community playthrough of each FromSoft game. We moved on at the end of the month to a different one. And because there wasn't that community support anymore, I kind of just got distracted and did something else. It wasn't a distaste, nope, I'm uninstalling this. It's still installed on my PS5. I just, uh, I need to return to it. Uh, I I got stuck at a boss that was uh, beating me up a little more than I probably would have expected. And I just, I got stuck. It wasn't a dislike. But... When I say dislike about, or it's not even dislike, I don't want to say that. Um, with Bloodborne, I think the reason it falls at the bottom of the hierarchy of, of the Souls games I've played, it's complicated because I would also say it's my favorite combat out of the Souls games. Um, I think the combat mm-hmm. in Bloodborne is fast-paced mm-hmm. in a way that I enjoy. I think the bosses are typically very easy to read. I think that the health restoration mechanic, or like reclaiming your health if you take damage by doing a quick hit uh, or a few hits is fulfilling and and uh, as we've alluded to um, having just like 20 blood vials to start off with for any encounter is so generous compared to what i would expect out of the other souls games i've played i think the reason it falls at the bottom of the hierarchy for me is because i don't really like the atmosphere of the game uh it never got beautiful for me in a way other than like there's landscapes where you see the moon but there's never like a beautiful environment it's always decaying architecture that doesn't appeal to me like classic religious architecture where i i find that sort of like gothic construction of cathedrals just uninspiring to me i i know that for some people they think that's like the pinnacle of cultural beauty and whatever but that is not me and um i think i wanted more like nature like one one of the places that i despised Mm -hmm. in this game was the forbidden woods and the reason i hated it so much is because i didn't realize that you could go to other tombstones tombstones in the dream to uh to pop back into the world that way i thought because i went to the same tombstone i had gone to for the first like six or seven lanterns that because it wasn't on the list the game was not going to let me teleport there and i ran all the way back from the grand cathedral Mm -hmm through that forest and died like halfway through it or at the end of it or whatever before I got to the snake area like 30 times like more than any boss ever killed me it was so demoralizing and if 
anyone, especially the game, had said anything remotely to indicate that you could go to the other tombstone and suddenly... And then that implied that there's at least two other tombstones that you can use to teleport. But why else would the tombstones be there? Well, I... They didn't let me do anything in the beginning of the game, and my I looked at them all at the beginning of the game, but then I had sorted them into my brain category of, oh, this does nothing. Never look at them again. I didn't think to, like, mm. oh, now it's going to work. Like, that just didn't cross my mind whatsoever. And it's not how it works, at least with um, Elden Ring and Dark Souls. Uh, they're, like, once you get a teleporting, like, bonfire or, um, I forget what they're called, uh, Side of Grace, I think, in Elden Ring, like, once you unlock those, they're there in your list. But... It was in a different list for some godforsaken reason in this game. And I don't read the loading screens. It probably told me in a loading screen. Or maybe even our, um, like, welcome home good hunter lady. Maybe she said it at some point, And I just wasn't paying attention because I was listening to podcasts when I played this game. Doll. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know what her name is. Uh, like, anyway, sorry to go on, like, full rant status, but... I have complicated feelings about this game. I think that people say this game's a masterpiece. And if I could even neutralize like the performance concerns that I griped about in episode one of our podcast, uh, or rather not that number, but you know what I mean? Part one of our podcast on this game. I, I said at the time that it was marred by performance issues, like frame rate, frame pacing, stuttering, clipping, like screen tearing, everything you can think of. This game wrecked my capture card no other game has done this before it would just black screen me because the frame pacing was so inconsistent that the capture card would freak out and i would get a black screen and i would die to a boss i died more to that than i did to any in particular boss it was so frustrating to play this game this game needs a remake or a remaster like five years ago and um and even if i neutralize those annoyances i still think if i could be forgiving bloodborne falls to the bottom for me i love the combat i kind of hate everything else and the combat luckily is the point like that's what you do um but like the exploration was even unrewarding i didn't love it 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 just it didn't come together for me at least by this point will i still finish it yes rant over (laughs) are you a lovecraft no not at all um that is another thing that just fundamentally i feel incompatible and not to steer this off topic entirely but like In my head, Lovecraft is associated with unsavory cultural attitudes, like racist beliefs and such, misogyny, things that ultimately are barriers to entry for my enjoyment. And though they don't all resurface here, some of them do. And uh, and I I just don't find that aesthetic appealing. I love what Katie said, though. To say something positive, like the whole critique of human culture and like like cognitive dissonance and those sorts of things about like structures, institutions, oppressions, like that is actually the most compelling out of any FromSoft. Like if you could like give a potted summary of it, that sounds more interesting than any other story I've played from the FromSoft games. Um, Dark Souls, I agree. I don't really care about like gods and monsters and whatever. Like who cares? It's, it's more about human relationships and power dynamics and like treachery, deceit, struggle, nihilism, suffering, all of those things. Uh, I, I love that. I think, I think the way that those, were described in this podcast were great. Uh, I, I didn't feel them in the game, as mentioned. Yeah, the world is not like a like a nice play, and that it's intentional. Yeah, of course. Um, but if you're not someone who who like seeks out difficulty or seeks out like really cool dark worlds, mm-hmm. then I don't think that you're going to be gravitated towards mm-hmm. this because it is. Sorry to sound like a third grader when I say this, but like. It's gross and it's dark yeah. and there's spiders and it's icky and I didn't like it. I think mm. that's a good point because I have always liked things that are 
dark and violent and twisted and messed up. And the more messed up, the better. I, my, you know, my sister has always been like, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Why do you watch these things? Why do you like these things? Mm. That's too twisted. The the twisted and the more bloodier, the more I usually like it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it makes sense that Bloodborne is my jam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're right, Flora. Like Master Willem and Lawrence and their whole thing and their different theories and how that hall plays out and then the, the it, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it just goes deeper and deeper and this game to me it like I said earlier, it rewards curiosity mm-hmm. and it goes in every way in combat, in story, in exploration. To me it goes like five layers deeper mm-hmm. than the vast majority of most games. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm just like, oh, it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I think it deserves every everything that it gets for, especially at the time for when it came out and all the things it did. I think it's just excellent. Mm-hmm. I can't come up with a better word than that. Yeah. I, I want to be clear. I don't hate this game. It's just, it's not a, um, a fondly remembered experience so far. Uh, it, but while That's I fair. say that, I do. When I was asking you about the DLC, Katie, I was thinking I'm going to finish this game without getting the DLC, and then in a few years, if I ever get the itch to dip back in, I would just start over, buy the DLC, and go in that way. Because I think that the reward that I'm seeking from a game like this is those like series of layers underneath the surface. And having not made contact with them in my personal experience, one of the things I'm most excited for is just binging YouTube video essays, reading theories, hearing analyses of things, and. Once I prime myself with that knowledge, because I've resisted it as I played the game, I kind of wanted to experience everything afresh. Um, I think that that would actually solidify my appreciation for this game a lot more, or at least bring me closer to how you're feeling about it. We did it. We played Bloodborne. We survived. Jacob, you did it. You did it. You did it. I did it. I'm very glad we did this. Don't ask me to ever play a game ever again. (laughs) Well, this feels like a unique challenge in a way that no other podcast choice uh, for a game has felt to me up until this point. A lot of the episodes I've been on this year have been replays of things, and I've really loved that. It's an excuse to experience something I appreciate and and develop new perspectives on it. Uh, This was the first game since Returnal, I think, where I hadn't played it before. So getting on the grind and, like, working on it and, like, the camaraderie in the community and the discord of, of everyone, like, talking and sharing experiences and supporting each other, this was a sort of genuine shared experience in a way that my prior podcast appearances on this show kind of weren't and I love the experience of feeling like in a community playing a game like this where I pop in the channel and I say something like oh my god you're not going to believe what just happened and I share this like unique experience that ultimately we've all sort of gone through if we've played this game uh, and, and I think that that's, that's like the value of, of doing something like a podcast like this where you build those relationships through those experiences whether or not you actually share them or not like casting like you did Jacob uh, I, I think it was so exciting routinely to like have something happen share it and hear people develop their thoughts about it react to it share their own experience I loved that about this game and that's one of the things that people love about FromSoft games yeah. is the community aside from the uh, angry ones aside from the angry people we can shove them over Get to good. the side but for the most part it's all like encouragement and sharing mm-hmm. and like oh my god I saw this thing and what is this and this thing kicked my butt mm-hmm. and 
and someone else being like, oh, you should try this and like you can do it. And like it is actually a really encouraging community that's yeah. kind of lovely mm-hmm. um, that's um, under uh, not people don't know that enough, I think. So I'm glad that you felt that experience with with the discord, with the lovely discord. I'll, I'll say this about uh, Elden Ring. I think I need to play Elden Ring this year um, because, you know, Elden Ring obviously is going to be brought up now in go- in Goaty conversations as probably a lot of people's best game of the year. Um, God, it's crazy that was this we'll year. We'll see what happens with God of War Ragnarok, but that was this year. <laughs> so my thought is like, way. I should play it this year while everyone's still talking about it for it does not, like with Goaty stuff, I should play it now so that people don't have distance from it and can like chip in or mm-hmm. help. But also... I just want to be a baby gamer and play easy baby games for the rest of the year. We'll see. Yeah. What happens. Well. Um, but uh, if you want to join that l- lovely Discord that we <laughs> talked about, um, you can go to leftbehindgame.club/discord. Uh, if you want to find us on social, uh, Twitter at leftbehindclub, on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. And look, if you got all the way to this part of the podcast two hours in, do me a favor, send this show to someone else because clearly you were either doing something and got distracted for two hours or you enjoyed this really riveting conversation and more people should hear it. So uh, beyond that, uh, five-star reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts really help. So thank you in advance. Uh, Flora, where can you be found on the interwebs? Um, aside from the Discord we mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM, um, usually sharing a lot of fan art and screenshots and a lot of chronicled Bloodborne thoughts that will probably continue at the point that you're hearing this. Um, in addition to that, you can find my written work on EpilogueGaming.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm Lesperak, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. I don't write interesting things. I just talk about random things that I like. And uh, sometimes things that I'm mad at, but not a lot. Just, you know, when the NHL puts digital boards in the background behind the players and it makes me so mad that I could throw things. Most of the time I'm really happy, though, and I just I'm like, I like this game. Um, So, yeah, I'm on Twitter and also in the Discord. Sports. Why? 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 (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. I cannot begin to explain how much I hate the NHL digital boards. If it was digital boards versus glow pucks, I don't know which one I would take. I don't know. I might take glow pucks. They're more whimsical, at least. I was so mad. Glow pucks are, like I said, they're dumb and they're not necessary, but they're whimsical. Digital boards is just capitalism messing with my game. (laughs) Completely interfering with the game. So that's how I feel. What's better, giant fox sports robots or glow pucks? Fox robots, of course. They're there, they wave their arms around, and then they go away. Fair. Fair. That's what I want. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCourt on all major social platforms, uh, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. Uh, I do my ranting on Twitter and on TikTok, I make daily video game content approaching 300 days in a row of doing that. Uh, you know, there may be something you like on there. I, I talk about games like Sneakers, the old Xbox game about rats that was exclusive to Toys R Us. I'll talk about Lego Marvel, uh, Avengers. Uh, you know, Flora, you're chanting because you're like, I know that game. And if you're listening to this on the day that it came out um, on youtube.com slash Jacob McCourt tonight, uh, I'm hosting another episode of Video Game Trivia with some lovely guests. So uh, come on by. I'd love to see you. Uh, my friends, that's our Bloodborne series. So without further ado, I think I have to say, Mike, I did it. You and did also it. Shout, out Mike, shout out Mike Ruffalo. That, my friends, is one last game left behind. Oh, 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 o
Hey, I'm Jacob McCord. I'm Katie Lesbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob. No! You're recreating the intro rewind. We can just acapella the intro this week. Bum, 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 bum. Um, but anyway, wow, what a tangent. Here we go. Podcast time. <laughs> it's going to be this. We got cough syrup Jacob on our hands. Let's yeah, go. We're so much to indulge with the rabbit holes. I love yeah, it. Yeah. My, my personal blood vial is uh, cough syrup. So. You stole my joke from earlier. Ah, yes, I did. Uh, anyway. Um, do you want to just start Welcome over to- at this point again? Because uh, no, we are no, another this will be fun for me in. to listen to. Okay. <laughs> okay.